The following program does not offer personal medical advice. Please consult your doctor before using any treatment or product we cover. Welcome to Go to Health Radio with your host, Jonathan Marks. We provide a welcoming environment where experts educate you on important health topics, answer your questions, and provide information from which you can benefit in consultation with your doctor. And now, here is Jonathan Marks. Hello, everybody. This is Jonathan Marks, and welcome back to Go to Health. Today, we're talking about integrative medicine. If you're curious about what that is, or you've never tried it before, we have somebody who's really a specialist in this. And I want to introduce Dasiana Ianku. She's known as Dr. Dasi. She's a medical doctor, MD. She's an integrative medical doctor in private practice in Sebastopol, California. She is board certified in internal medicine, integrative medicine, and she's also certified in anthroposophic medicine, which we're going to discuss today. She's been practicing medicine for 24 years and has worked in hospitals, ICUs, hospices, nursing homes, and primary care. In 2004, she was one of the first doctors to become certified in holistic medicine, and she's also studied acupuncture, functional medicine, Chine Tsang, which I understand is a certain type of uh, abdominal massage. She also knows Reiki and energy and intuitive healing modalities. She also discovered in 2014 anthroposophic medicine, which is a comprehensive medicine model that in addition to the physical body, considers the energetic, emotional, and spiritual aspects of the human being. I think that's pretty unusual. How many times do you go to a doctor who's concerned about or even aware of your spiritual health? But Dr. Dossi is. Since then, this has become her preferred modality of practicing medicine. Dr. Dossi is a board member of the Physicians Association of Anthroposophic Medicine, the Anthroposophic Health Association, and is a co-founder of Foundation for Health Creation, a community project dedicated to advancing health initiatives through education and outreach. Dr. Dossi believes that our individual health, community health, and the health of our planet are closely interrelated. Her goal is to bring awareness about the multi-dimension of health and healing and support that help others heal from the inside out. Dr. Dossi, welcome to the program. How are you today? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good. I'm doing so, well. I'm burning to know. Tell us about anthroposophic medicine. What is this modality that you've really come to believe in and practice as a main source for your medical approach? Yeah, definitely. Well, the hardest part is probably saying the word and anthroposophic <laughs> medicine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, this was started about 100 years ago in 1920 by Rudolf Steiner and Ita Wegman. Um, Ita Wegman was a physician and Rudolf Steiner also was the um, he's a PhD who actually started the uh, biodynamic farming and Waldorf education, as well as, an, as anthroposophic health. And since then, it has been growing. We have um, a large number of physicians worldwide who practice this. It also incorporates other modalities. Uh, the anthroposophic health aspect of it includes nurses and massage therapists, mm -hmm. uh, therapeutic speech, eurythmy, um, which is a type of a movement like dance activity and uh, and there's an anthroposophic psychology component to it so it has multiple modalities but for medicine particularly all doctors who practice anthroposophic medicine are allopathic physicians first um, and well there's also naturopaths so one has to be really trained in a doctorate program where they can prescribe medications before they can become an anthroposophic physician. Yeah. So so your first your first you are a medical doctor or a naturopathic doctor an MD or an MD as you say mm -hmm. and then you take anthroposophic training. Tell us a little bit about what this anthroposophic training is and how it differs from allopathic medicine or how it even differs from other integrative medicine approaches. 
Yeah. So the training, it, it's about four years. Um, and that's usually kind of spread into annual conferences and on, online webinars. But the what we learned during this time is to really look at the human being in, in the in a more comprehensive way. So mm-hmm. when we don't just focus on the physical body, but also learn about how one is made up of a physical um, energy body, um, emotional body, mind, and spirit. And, mm-hmm. um, and also we may look at the human being as something we call threefold, like where it's more of a constitutional assessment where someone for example, is more of a thinker um, and they're more uh, focused on the, what we call the upper pole of the human being. So like the thinking and the processing, as opposed to somebody who's more of a doer and is more engaged in their limbs, like somebody who's more active. Of -hmm. course, we're all a a very interesting combination of those two. Nobody's just one, one way, but um, somebody who is more of a thinker, for example, may need more support of not thinking so much and doing more and somebody who's more of a doer may need more support to, to maybe think a little more. So it's like a really finessing um, and supporting some the way someone moves through life, which obviously affects their health. So that's another way of looking at it. And you mentioned energy before. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean by energy? I've heard of energy medicine, but I really don't know what it is. Yeah, thank you for asking. So when it comes to anthroposophic medicine, we don't really call it energy, just using that term because people are more familiar with it. The terms we use are the physical, the etheric, the astral, and the the eye or ego. So the etheric is often what is referred to as as energy. This is more like what is often known as prawn. Like, uh, like in, Ch- in Chinese medicine, they may, in, in Hinduism, they may use this as pran. In Chinese medicine, it would be like chi. Mm. Um, in Ayurveda, it would be pran. And, um, and it has to do with the forces that maintain our body alive. The closest way to, to see the difference is when you compare somebody who's asleep as opposed to somebody who's passed away. And somebody mm. who's asleep, you can still see the forces are very strongly present even though their, you know, their physical body is theirs, they're both neither one of them are moving or talking, but you can tell the difference. Wow! And when you say see the forces, even when they're asleep, what is it that you see? Is this visible with your eyes, or is this a sense that you get, or is it something you feel? Can you describe this? Yeah, it's probably all of the above, right? Okay, it's something that we. There's a way in which we sense each other. We can feel each other. So it's. I think it's all of the above. So you really take this kind of information in as, as a medical doctor and include that in, how do you process the information that you take in at the, at the energy level and the spiritual level? Um, it's everything. So um, it can be from history. That's one component. So when I see somebody, I take a long history and it gives me an idea of how they move through life and how they feel like for example if somebody's really tired all the time this this energy forces this etheric body may be very depleted Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to somebody who is not like you can almost see it exude out of them they're full of life and energy and they they put out a lot of heat for example somebody like that may have um, more of this etheric body now there's no right and wrong it's not like we want everybody to be to have a very strong etheric body it's more about the balance it's more about Mm. uh, one person having the right amount of energy that they need in order to do what they're here to do to enjoy their life and, and to do their life's work so how can i support somebody in in helping them maintain that balance. Another example, I gave the example of if somebody is thinking all the time, maybe um, that kind of steals away from, or somebody who's worries all the time, steals away from one's energy level and they may be more fatigued. Mm-hmm. And then uh, part of the goal is to maybe work with one to help them feel more relaxed so they don't think so much mm-hmm. and they can drop more and be more comfortable in one body where they're more aware there's more awareness about oh I feel my feet now I can feel my legs there's that body awareness and and less thinking that's Mm -hmm. kind of one example 
Interesting. And, and can you give me a couple of examples? Let's say somebody who's worries a lot or just has a lot of, you know, is too much in the head. What kind of treatments do you recommend? For people, or what's the what's the variety of treatments that you recommend? I'm just trying to use this as an yeah. example so that people understand your approach. So it may be something that requires like a lifestyle, like spending more time in nature or forest bathing, for example. Mm-hmm. Or it could be taking warm baths mm-hmm. um, or exercise or a certain type of exercise. Maybe one may need more yoga as opposed to a cardiovascular. There's lifestyle, there's diet, like certain foods. For example, one reason uh, often people crave sugar in today's age mm. is because we are so much in our heads. And that, that it's kind of related to that as opposed to somebody who's more uh, in a, you know, like in their body, they may crave salt more. Interesting. Um, so adjusting one's diet based on that. And then I use remedies, remedies that we use in anthroposophic medicine. They're made in in homeopathic fashion, which means that they are diluted, like homeopathic remedies. They're slightly different. It's because they're all made by hand, not by machine. Mm. Um, We tend to know the pharmacists. There are not too many in this country, for example. And whenever they make the remedies, they're very mindful. So the remedy is made with reference. It's made by hand. Um, It's even made in accordance with the the planets and the astrology of the time. Mm. Like, for example, remedies that contain silver would never be made on a Monday when it's a Monday. So oh, wow. all okay. the components are yeah, yeah, being taken into account. So it's one of the modalities that I use and we use in anthroposophic medicine is uh, these remedies um, mm-hmm. to help support one's constitution, one's tendencies, um, to bring more balance. And then another modality is um, maybe some kind of body work, whether it's, like I mentioned earlier, a a form of uh, movement therapy or a certain type of massage um, that can help support their body and their energy body, their etheric body. You mentioned these tinctures that you use and that they are homo- homeopathic. And I see behind you, you have a cabinet mm-hmm. full of tinctures. Can I, I think most people don't know very much about homeopathic medicine. Can you describe what the approaches behind homeopathic medicines and their creation? Yes, definitely. So homeopathic medicines, um, they are they will take a substance like let's say a plant that's the most common, and they take the the plant and then dilute that plant. So we make a a, a tincture mm-hmm. out of a, a plant, and then that tincture is diluted once, and then this dilution is taken and diluted once more, and each dilution is diluted again. So uh, to a certain what we call a potency, which may be, so like a potency of one X is pretty much the tincture. And then a mm-hmm. potency of 10 X is that tincture that's diluted 10 times. In homeopathy, the, this dilutions will go up to a hundred fold or even 200 fold. Wow. Uh, so therefore they require machines in order to do that. In anthroposophy, most of the, the potencies are uh, up to like 20 times, so they can be made by hand. Now, does the dilution make the medicine stronger or weaker? Yeah, the idea is that it, it captures the essence of the plant. So, Rudolf Steiner said that for every ailment, uh, there is a plant out in nature that complements us so that we can overcome that ailment. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like the solution for every ailment. And the, when, you, when you put it in a homeopathic a dilution, it, the idea is that it really captures the essence of that plant and it makes it stronger. So it takes the energy of, and the essence of the plant and what its purpose is in, in life Mm-hmm. and makes it stronger. So then when we take the substance, is really that essence of the plant that we take in. What you just said is quite amazing, is that mm-hmm. what Rudolf Steiner said was that for every illness we have, there's a plant out there that can counter that or can counterbalance it. 
that what a world that's been created for us. That's quite, quite amazing. That's really yeah. amazing. And yeah. I know I have read, I think they're herbals. Is that what the books are called? But they're, uh, I have read herbals before, which is basically here's what this plant does and that plant does. And, um, and then it's also, you know, how the homeopathic medicines are, you know, what homeopathic medicines are created for which uh, symptoms um, how successful is it for people to diagnose themselves and buy homeopathic pills at the store? Because there are quite a number of stores around the country, which I know sell homeopathic medicines, and I guess people buy them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they can be relatively successful. A lot of times when you go to the store and you buy a remedy, you may have multiple things in it. So they mm-hmm. usually, hopefully one of those things kind of kind of addresses what it is that you're seeking and they can be helpful. You know, there are uh, common ones like Nux Vomica for nausea and um, Arnica is probably the the best known one these days, which is for uh, bruises and muscle aches and pains. And um, so obviously there, there's quite a number of them that can be used over the counter. It's mostly for acute Things like something that you just, you know, like you have nausea once, not not a chronic kind of nausea, right? Um, or a, a, a sprain or a bruise, which just happens once in a while and it's short lived. When you when you go more into uh, chronic illnesses or things that are recurrent, then you really need somebody who who can assess and diagnose what's happening. And yeah. So if this is a more chronic condition that you're suffering with over a long period of time, you really should see a specialist is what you're saying. Absolutely. Got it. Great. This has been great. So we're talking with Dasiana Iancu. She's a medical doctor. She also is an anthroposophic doctor and trained in many other modalities. This is the end of our first segment, but we're going to be back with Dr. Iancu uh, after this break. And we're going to talk about more of her background and how she got into this and why she subscribes to it. Uh, so beautifully. And again, she's in uh, Sebastopol, which is in Sonoma County in California. And we'll be back right after these messages. Stay with us. Connect with us and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You are listening to Go to Health Radio. To reach Jonathan Marks or his guest expert on the live program, Call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jonathan Marks at gotohealthmedia.com. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, welcome back. This is Jonathan Marks with Go to Health, where you can elevate your life with expert health news you can use. Today, we're talking with Dr. Dashiana Iancu, or Dr. Dasi, as she goes by, and she is an anthroposophic medical doctor. She is an MD, and we're talking about anthroposophic and integrative medicine. Tell us a little bit about your background, Dr. Dasi, and how you found your own harmony in practicing this kind of medicine. You Repeat for us again, you went through medical school. And then you went through, then you were certified in integrative medicine, and then you got certified for four years in anthroposophic medicine. You've had a lot of, a lot of education behind you. What motivated you to go through all this? Yeah, it kind of added up over the years. So I went to medical school and then I became a hospitalist. Uh, well, I went to medical school residency, then became a hospitalist, which means I worked solely in a hospital mm-hmm. for about six years Then I did a couple of years of being a hospice and and nursing homes uh, doctor. And during this time when I was actually a hospice, well, actually, I'm going to backtrack. When I was in residency, I went to University of Arizona and um, I audited Andrew Wiles program for about a month um, as a resident. I spent time there and really became acquainted with with their integrative program and different modalities and how they they, uh, look at the the health within a multidimensional way. 
Yeah. And if I can just interrupt for a second, Andrew Weil, he's a really a pioneer in integrative medicine. And um, so that's who Dr. Dossi's uh, talking about. Just He's just an luminary in terms of new approaches to medicine and having it be much more integrated than just the allopathic medicine that we're used to in many doctor's offices. But go ahead, Dossi. Then in 2004, while I was a hospitalist, that's when I, well, I had been studying integrative medicine all along, but that was the first year when the certification in holistic medicine became available. So I was one of the first ones to be taking these boards in 2004. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then ever since I, I began incorporating it more and more in my practice, mm-hmm. initially as a hospitalist and then working outpatient in primary care and studying it along the way, just keeping up with uh, continuing medical education courses in integrative medicine. And then I studied the Chinate Sung outside the Reiki. This was all outside of allopathic medicine, even outside of integrative medicine. There are modalities that back in the early 2000s were not even quite considered integrative medicine yet. Yes. And then after 2010, they became more part of a the mainstream or integrative medicine. Mm -hmm. In 2014, the American Board of Physician Specialties uh, came out with the Board for Integrative Medicine. Mm. And that's when I became certified in integrative medicine because I have been practicing it and and doing it for so long. I was one of the few who were grandfathered in. Some people had to go through a fellowship to be able to take the boards. Congratulations. Yeah, there 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 are a few of us. And um, so since then, I've been practicing it more and more in, within my primary care setting. And then in, and also in 2014 is when I discovered anthroposophic medicine. So by this point, I had been studying uh, Chinese medicine. I've done a little bit of acupuncture. I've studied some Ayurvedic medicine, like I said, the, the Reiki. And now I discovered anthroposophic medicine. And, and I really fell in love. It, it, it was uh, such a complete picture for me. It took me to the next level. I think because it really incorporated the spiritual aspect within. within. Mm-hmm. So from 2014 till 2018, I, I focused on, on studying anthroposophic medicine. Well, we, we never stopped studying anthroposophic medicine, but that was the mm-hmm. intensive time and became certified. And, and then in 2018, I started my own private practice so I can focus mostly on this. Of course, I still incorporate everything else I've studied, like Chinese medicine. I have the awareness of Chinese medicine. I use Reiki with patients. Um, and uh, I know, of course, I know about the, uh, the herbal medicine and supplements, which we use in, in the integrative, like the more the natural, the naturopathic and functional medicine aspect mm-hmm. along with it. Tell me, you're trained as a a medical doctor, a traditional medical doctor. You were a hospitalist, meaning that you worked primarily in the hospital. There's one of the things that I preach about is evidence-based medicine, that we don't just believe anything that comes along. We want to see evidence that it actually works. Um, And there are many practices that have been around for thousands of years that are only just getting to be recognized as evidence-based because we now have the ability to measure these things and see that they're really working. So tell me, as an allopathically trained doctor, how did you get into these other approaches and are they evidence-based at this point? I think it's always been with me. I I mean, I I grew up in Romania where we used plant medicine for most ailments. It was so built Uh in our culture and, and, um, and, I remember all the women in my family, whenever anybody got sick, would be like, oh, you need this chamomile or this mint or that uh-huh. herb from that the forest. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So it was always part of me. Um, but as I was practicing medicine, I mean, you know, it, it, the picture was never complete for me with just using drugs and just treating illness. There's so mm-hmm. much more to it um, mm-hmm. in terms of preventing illness like you know where does it all start why does one get ill and there's got to be more than just um you know let me write you a prescription and here you go like there's so much more to to health than that so how does it tie in with evidence-based medicine it's not a simple answer it's complicated of course um so evidence-based medicine has its place 
Um, yes, there are uh, increasingly more studies that address the integrative medicine practices and in anthroposophic medicine. There are a lot. Of, there are quite a few studies now coming out. Um, some that um, so primarily the studies, the evidence-based medicine studies, are using topical preparations like compresses for different illnesses. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a lot of research going on with mistletoe therapy, which is one anthroposophic mm-hmm. uh, treatment that's used for cancer. And one thing to keep in mind, though, is that integrative medicine is very individual. So just because one, uh, two people have the same illness, they will not be treated the same. We may treat one person one way and the other person very different. Mm-hmm. So it's much harder to run a randomized control study um, on integrative medicine. It's really an individual-based medicine. Got it. Okay, good. Thank you for that. I just learned something there. That's great. You mentioned, we talked before about energy medicine, but in this segment, you've talked about the spiritual approach. How do you, how do you work with the spirit, people's spirits and, and what do you see or sense or feel so that you can work with people's spirits? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, I don't work with people's spirits, you know, okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but what I mean by spiritual, so that can be a, a lot of different things. It's, it's our connection to uh, a higher meaning in life. So, you know, when one has a meaning, a life's purpose or a meaning, um, then that changes things in, in, you know, in a different way. And uh, other things that can fall in this category, many things like how well one is connected to community. So our relationships can be mm-hmm. part of our spiritual um, life as well, a connection with nature. Uh, do we trust um, in what is happening? So trust is is a big piece. Um, for example, like anxiety, you know, if we look at anxiety and how much uh, uh, that's become so prevalent in our, in our world today, in our culture. If we look historically, we used to be much more connected to our spiritual belief, believing that there's a certain kind of order or a higher power that kind of we can we can be connected to that helped us through difficult situations when we feel like we're the only ones in charge of our health in charge of everything that happens that's a lot of pressure that i mean it's Mm -hmm. hard not to be anxious when you feel like you're the only one that's solely responsible for everything that happens Mm-hmm. And yet we are responsible, not to say that we're not, but it's so much more complex than that. We're, we're I, you know, I believe we're part of a bigger structure. So it's like there's an individual relationship with something bigger than ourselves, but there's also an interrelational. We're all part of the, the global being too. Like what I do affects you and what you do affects me. So this is all part of the spirituality. And then also how I feel about how much, um, control I like direction I have over my life so that control piece is is tricky but on the other hand if I feel like I don't have any control over my life and I'm at the mercy of of a greater power that doesn't really help our health either so it's really important to have a, a sense that we do have some control and there is a greater something than us that supports us on our path and mm-hmm. that we're connected to others as well so when I see somebody, like I, I'll ask questions like, you know, how about their spiritual life or how do you feel like And spiritual life can mean so many different things for, for different people. Right. So it's not necessarily religious that Correct. we're talking about. Right. So tell us a little bit. I'm, I'm curious about who is the person who decides to come see you that feels comfortable enough to give this a try. Um, have they, where have they come from? Have they tried everything else and they've come to you as a last resort? Are they, you know, who, who are these people who, who do come to you for the first time? Tell us a little bit about them. If you can, to whatever extent you can generalize and be fair about that. Yeah. Yeah. It, so it can, it could be somebody who's tried many different things mm-hmm. and they feel like they haven't really gotten enough results and then they come see me. And uh, so a lot of times people may be taking a lot of supplements and they feel good, but then the minute they stop the supplements, they don't feel good again. Mm. So that's one thing that I work with is trying to understand the root cause of, of what, why they didn't feel good in the first place. Mm-hmm. 
um, and sometimes people come see me who just want more of a second opinion or support. So let's say they go to their doctor at their HMO, but they only get 10 to 20 minutes there and and they want to go deeper and they want somebody to sit with them and really like understand them. Or maybe they want uh, more support with natural things Mm -hmm. like uh, herbs and and, uh, supplements or homeopathics. Mm -hmm. I also work somewhat with uh, children who have issues at school, like behavioral issues, ADHD. Anthroposophic medicine can be very helpful in that area, and it works closely with the Waldorf education. Mm -hmm. And also, I can help somebody with cancer who wants integrative support. So I don't necessarily do it. Instead of, I, I don't tell my patients, no, I support them through chemotherapy, not instead of chemotherapy. Right, right. Um, Got it. Yeah. That's good. How long are your appointments typically? You say you spend more than 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my first appointment, it's an hour and a half, but I tell my patients, uh, allow two hours because sometimes even that's not quite enough. Okay. And yeah, and then follow up appointments are about 40 minutes. Okay. Wow. That's good. So that's really like twice or two and a half times as long as, as, as many medical doctors that are in a system. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I Tell like us to a- call it slow medicine. <laughs> slow medicine. Okay. And it, it is definitely part of the healing process when, when you can sit with somebody and they have time to really take you in and listen to what's going on. That in itself is, is very healing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's great. Tell us a little bit about these, um, these associations that you mentioned at the top of the hour. There's, a, there's an association that trains doctors, and there's also another association that is informational for the public. Yes, yes. So there, um, there's uh, anthroposophicmedicine.org the um, Physicians Association of Anthroposophic Medicine. And this is great for doctors who want to learn more about what anthroposophic medicine is, maybe want to be trained in it. They could even just take a few sample courses. And then we have anthroposophichealth.org. It's the Anthroposophic Health Association. This lists all the other therapeutics. So let's say you want to try anthroposophic medicine. You can see who is in your area and what they practice, and then it will teach more about what those practices are, mm-hmm. including doctors, but it can also be like massage therapist or dance therapy. Right. And then there's Foundation for Health Creation, which is a community project where we are um, trying to reach uh, the public at large about health, that health is more than just the absence of illness. Um, And that health is really about maintaining this balance within oneself, but also within the uh, environment, uh, environment with uh, culture, environment of uh, nature, they all contribute to our health and well-being. So I've made this a little bit easier for our viewers and listeners. Um, There's anthroposophicmedicine.org, which, as Dr. Dossie said, is hard to say and hard to spell. So I've made a special link for you to write down. It's much shorter. Anthroposophic medicine and the anthroposophic approach was founded by Rudolf Steiner. So I've made two links. And if you're a health professional and want to learn more about anthroposophic medicine, and instead of you go to anthroposophicmedicine.org, but I've made a special link, which is bit.ly, which is B-I-T dot L-Y. That's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Steiner A. That's if you're a health professional, bit.ly slash Steiner A. It's much easier to spell S-T-E-I-N-E-R, the letter A. And then if you want to learn more about, if you're a member of the public and you want to learn more about the anthroposophic approach, there's anthroposophichealth.org. And the link that I made for you there, which is easier to follow, is bit.ly slash Steiner B, as in the letter B. So those are the, um, the two links you can go to to learn more about anthroposophic medicine. Um, if you are a health professional or if you're a member of the public and would like to learn more. So, Dasi, with anthroposophic medicine, we think there are about 100 professional, 100 medical doctors in the U.S., which is not very many. I'm, I'm sure it's growing. But if people want to see one of you, it, can, they, can you treat people or see people virtually? Somewhat. Yeah, some of us do. Uh, mm-hmm. To a certain extent, is not as uh, it, it may take more visits mm-hmm. than 
than uh, seeing one in person. Obviously, it takes a little bit longer to really understand the other person. But yes, some of us do offer virtual visits. Mm-hmm. That's good to know because it's uh, it's a, a worthy approach to medicine and we want to get it out more. So the, the internet is really kind of a blessing this way. Mm-hmm. Um, so good. So we're talking with Dr. Dasi, D-A-C-I, Dasiana Iancu. And we will be talking more about her practice in the next segment. Stay with us. We'll be right back and you can learn more about how to get in touch with Dr. Dasi and uh, and possibly work with her for diagnosis and treatment. Stay with us. We'll be right back. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. You are listening to Go to Health Radio. To reach Jonathan Marks or his guest expert on the live program, call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to Jonathan Marks at gotohealthmedia.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to Go to Health. This is Jonathan Marks. We're talking today with Dr. Daciana Iancu, Dr. Dasi. She is in Sebastopol, California, and she has a medical practice. She's a medical doctor, but she also practices integrative medicine and anthroposophic medicine. And her website, and she does see people virtually, is anthrosonoma.com. It's A-N-T-H-R-O Sonoma.com because she's in Sonoma County, anthrosonoma.com. So Dr. Dossi, you do see patients virtually, um, but do tell us, you said something to me, which really caught my interest. You said there are benefits to have having something, you know, be a health challenge for you. Can you talk about that? Why is getting sick or why is having a health challenge a benefit? Yeah, definitely. So getting sick can be actually quite helpful. <laughs> Tell us so how. For, I'm, I'm really yeah. curious about that. <laughs> so for example, let's say uh, one gets the, the flu or a viral illnesses like a cold. Um, so that can be a very detoxifying experience. So first of all, a lot of times we get sick like that when we've been working too hard and we need to take some time off and rest. And we haven't given ourselves that. So here's our body saying, no, you got to stop. <laughs> you mm-hmm. got to stop and rest and detox. Mm-hmm. So a, a viral illness like that can be very detoxifying. The, the best part is probably the f- fever. So when one burns a fever, it, it really it raises our temperature. It, it, it works out our immune system. It strengthens our immune system. It helps mm-hmm. us develop antibodies. It, it awakens the maybe the antibodies that were there already. Mm-hmm. So it really is a great workout. We also like put out all this mucus, right? Like <laughs> through the nose or maybe the gastrointestinal tract, you know, where you're um, just putting out a lot of material. So this is very detoxifying. It's taking a lot of, uh, of, of the toxins that have been in our body or maybe, you know, like all the stress or maybe we haven't been eating so well and, and now like the body's going through a cleanse. Mm-hmm. And um, if you pay attention and notice, and this is especially uh, visible with children, after one goes through a fever, they come out different, just maybe a little different, but sometimes quite a lot different. So if mm-hmm. you've been contemplating something and maybe don't know the answer, like maybe you're thinking about a switch in your job or something, and you go through a fever, a lot of times after that fever, we have a lot of clarity about the, which way we should go in life. 
Mm. Children can go through a developmental milestone after a fever. Parents often say, wow, you know, she's very different after that experience. She's Mm. like a a new kid. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So go ahead if you have more. Sure. Yeah. With children particularly, and Steiner talks about this, how fevers is the way their their um like their higher uh, being um in the physical body they they kind of wrestle so that the the higher being can make the physical body its own so it really it's a time when they develop this individuality more they they work through these challenges so that they become more themselves mhm fascinating now i've read and i've actually seen videos on even if you get cancer, there are, it, it's not a death sentence, right? Cancer is not necessarily a death sentence. Um, yeah. And it can be a, a real, a real way to evaluate your life and, and, and go for positive change. And, and there are plenty of people who do survive cancers. Yeah. And, and often, you know, I, you know, I've seen this and heard the stories of somebody who survived cancer and they come out and they say, they know exactly why they got cancer and what changes they had to make in their lives. And they made that gave them the courage to make those changes and, and, you know, take a new path in life that they had to take, but they couldn't before. And then the illness really prompted them. And um, so illness can be um, life-changing that way. It's also a way of, um, of letting go of old stuck stuff whether it's things from childhood or things from, you know, just recent. Um, and that was, so getting, letting go of old stuff. So the old stuff can be anything from physical, like, like toxins in the environment that we were exposed to. Mm-hmm. It can be emotional, like maybe a bad relationship or a bad job. Um, so when we go through an illness like that, it's almost like this, this stuck thing becomes the illness and then if we overcome it we clean you know let go of it from our from our system and we can move on so we can really take a look at illness as a signal can't we it's it's, it's our body telling us something yes yes absolutely and also um i remember reading a book i can't remember what it was because i was very interested in integrative medicine but we usually think of getting sick as something coming at us from the outside. But really what it is, it's the state of what's going on inside our body that makes us susceptible to these outside influences so that if we're really more conscious about staying healthy inside our body, we don't necessarily get sick that much. Can you speak to that a bit? Yeah, I mean, I think we work it out one way or another too. Like, let's, you know, I give the example again of like uh, uh, a bad relationship or a, a bad job. So we, I think we can work it out either uh, through therapy, you know, or through making changes in our life. But sometimes maybe we work it out through an illness and that gives us that insight of letting go of it. The other example that you know, I mentioned earlier is toxins. Like if, if you know, if we're exposed to pesticides or, um, you know, some kind of toxin like that, illness can be a way of us getting rid of it. Tell us more about your practice. Who are the people who come to see you? Is there a typical, I mean, are there, is there a great variety of people who come to visit you or are there people who are you known for working with certain types of illnesses? Tell us a little bit about the people who come to see you. Yeah, I do have quite a variety. Um, I like I said, I see anything from um, kids with um, who have difficulties in school, um, or I may see someone who has trouble with insomnia, uh, mm-hmm. trouble with fatigue, um, and I also see uh, people who have cancer and want supportive uh, adjunctive therapy with that. Mm-hmm. And again, you don't necessarily supplant other therapies that doctors recommend, but you're an additive support to people who are going through illnesses. That's right. Now, you talked also before about our connection with our community and the planet, um, and that we are not these individual beings just existing on the planet, but we really are, you know, part of a community, part of a world together. Can you talk about your approach toward that and health and illness? 
Yeah, so um, if I take it again from the physical level, so what we eat, the environment that's around, the physical environment around us affects our health. Mm -hmm. So if we choose locally grown organic vegetables, that not only benefits us, but it, it benefits the, the local environment. Mm -hmm. and, and then if we all did that out locally, can you imagine? Like probably we could solve, uh, you know, the, the climate crisis mm. just through that alone by really investing in the local agriculture. And you're saying that why? Because... Uh, well, because, you know, the way we grow our, our vegetables, when they're grown either like organic and like with the no-tilling practices, the biodynamic farming, mm -hmm. not only do they have more nutrition, mm -hmm. uh, they're free of the chemicals that cause illness. So there's a lot of theory out there that it's the, the tilling of the soil and the, and the chemical agriculture that has been contributing to the climate crisis. Yes. And, and to a lot of the health issues as well. Yeah. And, yeah. They're closely if, if we're eating, You know, if we're eating locally, we're also not investing so much in transportation. Exactly. Right? What's you your get to know your farmer and your neighbors and, you know, it builds community, yes. which is also good for your health. Like really having these relationships with people around you, which we're having less and less now because of technology. What's your approach to eating meat and, um, you know, if meat versus fish versus vegetables, is there a particular type of diet that you recommend for health? Um, I don't recommend a particular diet. I, again, it, it can be very individual, mm -hmm. I think, uh, the type of diet that people eat. Um, I do recommend that uh, those who eat meat that choose meat that comes from animals that are uh, free range. Um, and, you know, I call them like, make sure you, you know, eat from happy cows. You know where your meat comes from. Hopefully it's locally sourced, not just organic, but also like free range. And, and then, but if somebody is vegan, for example, I can completely work and support them. I think that's important too. And, you know, some people may need more meat and some people need less meat. Uh, some people do benefit more if they're vegetarian than, than others. So again, it's very individual. You don't have one approach. You really take a look at the person individually mm -hmm. um, and really kind of work with that person individually. Yes. So, Dr. Dossi, I want to ask you one last question uh, before we uh, conclude for the day. I know that you really look into people's backgrounds and, and you spend time with them. What did you say, an hour and a half or two hours for the first session? Um, you really look into their background, almost like their life history. Can you talk more about that? And how much does this life history that you take, how much does it affect people's health? Yes, definitely. Um, so I do uh, something that we call biography, where I really ask someone about their child. It starts really from pregnancy of their, mm. their mom's pregnancy and and um, hearing if there's any traumatic events or what their childhood was like, if they're close to their parents, if they went through a divorce when they were young, and then any other major traumatic events that might have happened throughout lifetime. And I do feel like this really affects one's health. And and when we and now it's well known that what is called adverse childhood experiences um, is really impacts one's health. And I go even more than just what is considered adverse childhood experiences. Um, also, the habits um, that one develops in, in youth, like, you know, how, how we relate to others. All of these can really contribute to our health. And, and just bringing awareness to those sides of ourselves and how we interact with the world or what has affected us. And sometimes just being witnessed when we talk about um, our past trauma all of these can be very healing. They, they, they play an important, health, uh, important part in our health. And it's really important that we address this. And this is a big part of what I address in my practice. Got it. So this is, you're not doing psychotherapy. No, no, I'm not. I'm not trained psychotherapist. I really yeah. just witness, I, I witness people. I hear their stories. And then I consider that in my assessment and in my treatment plan. Got it. Okay, good. So you really do take a look at the whole person. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. I, that's great. And it's so unusual 
you know, for what doctors do, I know some of the doctors I go to see, they spend a lot of time looking at the computer, filling out forms that are required by the government or whatever, you know, health plan you're on. Um, but Dr. Dossi really does take a look at you from the whole person perspective. Again, we've been talking with Dr. Dashiana Iancu. She is in Sebastopol, California. She's board certified in internal medicine. She's a medical doctor, and she's also studied anthroposophic medicine, which takes a look not only at your physical state, but also, as we've discussed, your emotional state, your energy, uh, even your spiritual background and your biographical history, so that she really takes a look at you as a whole person. You can reach Dr. Dossi at anthrosonoma.com. That's A-N-T-H-R-O, Sonoma.com. And as we come to the end of today's uh, session, I want to wish all of you a wonderful Thanksgiving. This is a time to be grateful for what we have. And uh, Dr. Dossi, thank you for coming on the show. It's been really uh, wonderful to hear you and hear your expertise and the, and the broad experience that you've brought to your medical practice. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. Everybody have a great Thanksgiving. We will be back next week with another wonderful show. And this is Jonathan Marks with Go to Health, where we elevate your life with expert health news you can use. You can listen to us on Voice America. You can listen to us on seven podcast networks. You can also watch us at gotohealthmedia.com. And we'd love to have your feedback. We have a place there where you can uh, sign up for our newsletters and updates and also give us feedback on the show. Thanks so much for being with us here today. Enjoy your holiday. Take care. We'll see you again soon. Thank you for tuning in this week to Go to Health Radio. Be sure to join Jonathan Marks and another health expert next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You can also catch the program on your favorite podcast platform. Until our next show, be sure to visit us on the web at gotohealthmedia.com and elevate your life. Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. 